Once again, welcome to Nightlight. On this podcast, you're going to meet Mark McMillian, the host of the Prophecies of Daniel YouTube channel. His videos on the book of Daniel have been translated into many different languages and seen by millions all over the world. Nightlight's interview of the week. Welcome to Nightlight, Mark. It's great to have you on the show. First of all, why the book of Daniel? Why did you choose to focus on Daniel instead of on other prophetic books of the Bible? Yeah, that's 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 actually pretty important, actually, uh, because so often if people get interested in these things, they think the first thing they need to do is to turn to the last book in the Bible, the book of Revelation. And that seems to make sense until you find out how kind of complicated. I, I use this analogy like this. It's like if you're going to build a house, you build a foundation and you put the the frame up. Then you put on the doors and the windows. Well, the book of Daniel is actually, that's what that's the foundation. When Jesus was asked about the future in Matthew 24 and in Mark 13, he specifically pointed to the book of Daniel and he said, whoever reads, let him understand. He quoted from some, not complicated, but some semi-mysterious words in the book of Daniel. And he told his disciples, whoever reads, let him understand. So that's always like, that sounds pretty important. Seems like we should be trying to find out what that's about. That's what he told us to do. So so that's one reason. The other reason is that, again, I've just seen people get mixed up in the book of Revelation. And you have so many strange doctrines going around. And people, the seven thunders and the six seals and the seventh trumpet. And there's all this controversy. But instead, just the incredible thing is, is how these chapters, it's like there's a verse in the Bible about line upon line, precept upon precept. And for me, like Daniel 2, that is such an interesting opening beginning to the subject of prophecy and the future and the coming of the Lord. And then you go to Daniel 7, it builds on that, and again, Daniel 8, and they just, it's it's a stepping stone like that. Well, for those of our listeners who are not familiar with the book of Daniel, Mark, maybe you could tell us something about the book and give us an overview of some of the key chapters. Even just sort of, given a little thumbnail or a little idea about who Daniel himself was because he was sort of an unusual character. This was right at the time of the fall of Israel uh, being defeated by Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. Israel had been a a nation, depending on how you look at it, for centuries. They, They had reached their peak under King David. The nation split up after Solomon into two parts. The northern part, Israel, got taken over by the Assyrians about 722 B.C., The southern part, Judah, which is the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin, they still um, were blessed by God and protected by God. They wasn't like they were so great, but they kind of kept going with the Lord longer. But um, God sent the prophet Jeremiah because it was, it was the handwriting was on the wall, so to speak. It was like going to happen, and so in the some of the very first raids that Nebuchadnezzar sent against Israel around 606, 604 BC. One of the things that happened was they carried away some of the royal family, so to speak. So Daniel seems to be, he wasn't necessarily, you know, the prince in waiting to be king, but he was some kind of royalty. And in the book of Daniel, he and his friends were called children sometimes. So you get the feeling you're talking about 13 or 14 year old boys, something like that. And they're carried as slaves and as captives all the way across to what is today modern Iraq, which in those days was uh, the capital was Babylon, which was a pretty 
major city and a pretty successful bunch of folks. And, you know, it's sort of famous, Daniel chapter 1, where they were... They were supposed to eat this uh, the king's food, but they said, no, we just want to eat our wholesome, godly uh, Jewish food, and they ended up looking pretty good. That's a famous story you hear in Sunday school. Right, right. In fact, some of the most famous stories in the Bible are in the first five chapters of Daniel that are not about prophecy. You also have Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego refusing to worship the golden image. You have the humbling of Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel's in the lion's den, meanie, meanie, tackle you fasten, the handwriting on the wall. That's right. right. But then again, I, I don't want to say it's ironic, but it's something that, in a sense, the most important chapters are very rarely talked about in church. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a whole subject in itself, why in the world these things are dismissed or poo-pooed or left mm-hmm. out. And this is one of the one of the motives I've had in these things is to make these things more aware and more known by the as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. So Daniel chapter two, maybe the Lord just made me sort of buzzed about this whole thing because He wants other people to be buzzed. So He has to buzz me enough mm-hmm. that I stay buzzed and and have that inspiration and that that marvel. Mm-hmm. So basically, King Nebuchadnezzar he had this dream, and he couldn't remember it. It doesn't sound like he was a particularly old guy. He just had some kind of dream and he couldn't remember. So he's talking to all his magicians and his counselors. And Babylon was famous for having some pretty smart people there. And so he's, I need, you know, I've had a dream. I need to know what it was about. And they go, well, um, why don't you tell us the dream and then we'll tell you what it means. And Nebuchadnezzar is like, no, nah, that's not going to work. You tell, if you're really a smart guy, you tell me what I dreamed. And these guys go, what? Nobody can tell you what you dreamed except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. So, so Nebuchadnezzar, okay, that's okay. Okay, uh, guards, I want you to get ready to kill all these guys. <laughs> you know, he's kind of a very impulsive guy. Very interesting reading these things. So Daniel was in, he and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in training to be kind of wise men. So somebody went over to where they were and said, uh, we're going to be killing everybody. And so Daniel says, uh, could we have a moment to seek our God? So they ended up getting permission. And then, sure enough, the Lord showed Daniel what Nebuchadnezzar dreamed and what it meant. And you just try to put that in your life. Try to, you know, you try to put this in something, you know, that, you, you know, your boss or your the president of your country or something like that. And so you get down to desperate prayer and God shows you the dream and the meaning. Wow. You're, you're also 14 years old and you're uh, an immigrant or a displaced person or something like that. I mean, I just, when you put it in that kind of context, it's like, whoa, that's far out, you know? Okay, so I'm going to go with the whole thing. But anyway, so Daniel goes before Nebuchadnezzar and in his court and tells him the whole thing. I guess it's okay to just tell everybody because you can still watch the video. <laughs> but it's just like, I just love this stuff because the next thing that happens is Nebuchadnezzar falls at the feet of little Daniel and, and says, you know, we need to offer, offer offer sacrifice to this guy. Wow. So just think if it's, you know, we're talking about the president of the United States or the leader of Russia, and he's falling at the feet of some illegal immigrant or something like that. You go, that's pretty far out stuff. So and, I just buzzed. I'm sorry if I'm too inspired about this, but I am inspired. And Daniel chapter 2 is probably the clearest. Exactly. Chapter on prophecy that I think almost every Bible prophecy. Yeah teacher, whatever else they may disagree on, they agree on the interpretations of the book of Daniel. So it's it's one of the best chapters that proves 
that Bible prophecy is is yeah, accurate. That is absolutely true. It's like, in other words, this denomination is not going to argue with that denomination. Mm-hmm. Pretty much across the board, you have this this picture because what Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar he'd seen, he saw this statue, very unusual statue. Then the statue got hit by this rock, and the whole statue crumbled. And then this rock became this great big mountain. And Daniel basically said, "This is." These are the kingdoms. This is your kingdom and the kingdoms coming afterwards. But God's going to set up a kingdom on earth that's going to break all these other ones. Well, this had never, that I know of, had never been really shown, you know, to Isaiah, to Elijah, to Moses, to David, to Solomon. This had never really been shown before. So it was, it was very, very important. And anyway, you're totally right what you say. It's not much controversy on this one. And it's very... It's almost like baby food. It's just really easy to get the gist of what this is all about. Yes, it's almost like in Daniel chapter 2, God is giving us a snapshot of world history, past, present, and future. It's such a simple illustration that just easy to stick in your mind. Yeah, that's where you sort of, you know, you have this phrase in English, you're cutting your teeth on something. Mm. That's the beauty of Daniel chapter 2. It's so simple and so basic. But as you look a little bit deeper in it, it's exactly like the... Here's this head of gold, and in Babylon, it was you know the golden city. It was an amazing place, and and the astronomy, uh, lots of stuff. They were mathematics. They were clever people, but then when the Medes and the Persians came along, it was what you could call a dual kingdom. Mm-hmm. I've lived in Europe a lot, and there used to be the Austro-Hungarian Empire, mm-hmm. and there was actually a palace in Vienna, and there was a palace in Budapest. And they sort of had a joint rule kind of thing going on like that. And that's somewhat what the Medes and the Persians did. Mm. But there's this two arms right there. Mm. And then, you know, if you want to go further, you go, the next is like Greece. But then you go down to the legs of Rome, you got two legs. Well, if you know your history, you know that, you know, it was originally Rome, but Rome eh, more or less fell. But then there was the Constantinople. There was the Byzantines that lasted about another thousand years. So again, you have this kind of, dual thing kind of going on Mm. and i don't know those are the kind of deals where you begin to sort of understand how god uses prophecy and uses pictures like this in a very simple way to predict to tell us the future we have a guest tonight on nightlight and our guest is Mark McMillian, an expert, I would say, on the book of Daniel. And he's giving us an overview of this amazing book of very remarkable prophecies. Daniel chapter 7 is the next prophetic chapter. Mm-hmm. But to try to go, try to get be brief. But in chapter 3, it's, it's almost humorous or something like that because uh, Daniel has seen this, or Nebuchadnezzar has seen this vision, a head of gold, the statue, head of gold arms of silver, belly and thighs of brass, legs of iron. But then what Nebuchadnezzar does is he makes this great big (laughs) golden statue and it's all gold. So it's almost like he's saying, "Uh, no, it's just me. There's not going to be anything else. It's just me. And then everybody has to bow down to this. And then they didn't bow down and then the Lord delivered them. So there's that. And then in chapter four, it's really amazing because Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar was a sheep. He was actually a man that God was working on him. He was also a very, very proud man, a very successful man. But the whole of Daniel chapter 4 is written in the first person by Nebuchadnezzar because it's basically it's his salvation experience. Mm-hmm. And I don't know of anything else in the Bible cover to cover where there's anything like that. Mm-hmm. He's, he's speaking I this and I that. And in the last verse, I just love it, you know, 
uh, he's, Nebuchadnezzar says, they that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Talking about God. But he, he turned fully mm-hmm. to Daniel's God. Mm-hmm. And there's chapter 5 and there's chapter 6. We've got Daniel in the lion's den. We've got this situation where there was the handwriting on the wall. Mm-hmm. That's where that phrase comes from. Meaning, meaning, technically, Exactly. Meanwhile, Nebuchadnezzar had passed on and his grandson was kind of running things who did not have the heart of Nebuchadnezzar at all. And this is right at the time when the Medes and the Persians, and it's controversial in some ways, but there's a pretty good likelihood that the Medes of the Bible are the Kurds of today. Mm. The Medes and the Persians had a very similar language. They were almost like cousins. It wasn't the same thing. As I understand it, the Kurds of today, their language is almost like more Persian-based than anything else. They also occupy almost exactly the area that that media used to occupy. Mm -hmm. So this was right at the time when the Persians were about to take over from the Babylonians. Lighting your path through the end times. You're with Nightlight. Mark, take us on now to Daniel chapter 7, which predicts the rise of the same world empires, but this time pictures them as various kind of beasts. Tell us about Daniel chapter 7. Well, I guess for me, one of the most amazing things is how much this is almost like it's independent. This is both with Daniel and with John in the book of Revelation. It's like this happened to them because some people think, well, they were using their brains and they were thinking about this and they just, they didn't do anything. This, this almost like fell on them out of the sky or something like that. You know, I mean, it's a strong way to state it. By this time, Daniel was up in his 60s. He had been a an advisor for the Babylonians and after that for the the Persians. And he had this dream where he saw, this is Daniel 7, basically he saw this the, the ocean or the sea and he saw these beasts, animals, coming up out of the sea, four of them. And they were, I guess, there was first it was a lion. The second was a bear that lifted itself up on one side. The third was a leopard with four heads and four wings. The fourth was like a great and dreadful beast with iron teeth and ten horns. So, of course, this has to be, it's not literal. It's got, it's a spiritual picture. It's a whole subject in itself about when do we look at the spiritual understanding of a thing and when are we talking about a physical mm-hmm. fulfillment that's a whole subject in itself but the biggest thing that daniel got into because there was this angel explaining all these things to him and it was just almost too much for daniel but daniel immediately got really interested in this fourth beast because on the fourth beast there was this little horn which came up afterwards and it plucked up three of the first horns and it it had this great mouth and was very, very, very fearsome. So Daniel wanted to know about that because the next thing that happens, it's almost like in a movie where the whole scene changes and they're just like, the whole scene changes. And then Daniel is seeing a vision of God, God, the father. It uses this phrase, the ancient of days. Mm. And it's, it's, you know, it's, there's just very little in the Bible that even does anything like this. So here's God, and he's in Daniel. He sees these, you know, hundreds of millions of people and angels in the, this throne, and he sees this little horn that he'd been shown speaking against God and and you know really raging, and then he sees that that horn 
sent to the flames. Then he sees what's called the Son of Man. And this Son of Man is brought before the Ancient of Days, and there's given him this kingdom. So, you know, if we could put some suspense mm-hmm. music, you'd go dum da dum dum mm-hmm. And then the question is, who is that Son of Man? Mm-hmm. And for those of us who are Christians, we know that Jesus... That's what Jesus called himself. Jesus didn't go around saying, I'm the son of God. He called himself the son of man. Many times. Many times. Many times. And that was obviously purposely to identify himself with that uh, prophecy from yeah. Daniel. Yeah. So people would know who he is. Yeah. You know, again, I just try to try to put yourself in Daniel's shoes because evidently this was really, I mean, this was really rough for him because mm-hmm. it was so strong and it was really sort of going into new territory. This isn't something Isaiah, you know, Moses hasn't been talking to us about this, but it's like the Lord is, even at a time when Israel is having, you know, they're in captivity, the Lord was showing them the future. The Lord was showing them this is what's going to happen. So it's really the love of God in all this because God's not finished with them. God's not finished with you. I mean, it's a little bit like what happened with me in, in my hometown. It's like, I thought I was, I was finished and then the Lord starts doing all this stuff. I'm not finished. Actually, we're just getting started and all, you know? So uh, in the rest of Daniel 7, this angel really zeroes in on this this period because this is what Daniel wanted to know about. He wanted to know about these this fourth beast, this little horn. Again, I won't quote the whole chapter and get into it too much, but if you look at these things, Daniel chapter 7 is the closest chapter in the Old Testament mm-hmm. to the book of Revelation. There's mm-hmm. so much. And because I was just working with a, Arabic translator recently, and we were going through this chapter, and he just sort of exclaimed, "Well, this is just like Revelation," mm. but because he, he didn't know that, but that's how it is. It's like a, it's like a capsule, but it's it's actually you know six hundred years before Revelation, but it's got many many of the elements of the Book of Revelation, and it has a happy ending. The happy ending is that God's going to set up His kingdom on the earth, mm. and it's going to be not just for God and Jesus, but for also the people of the saints, like it says. Mm-hmm. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. Well, so far, Mark, you've talked about the prophecies in Daniel chapter 2 and 7. Let's go on now to Daniel chapter 8, which covers a lot of the same ground as chapter 7, but adds some more details. Yeah, it's really interesting because in some ways it's similar. And this is, again, where each chapter builds on the former chapter, mm-hmm. the prophetic chapters, but then brings in new information. Mm-hmm. And that's very much between Daniel 7. That in itself is controversial. I get people writing me, no, 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 that's, you know, I have, I'm sorry, I have people writing me, no, you don't understand. You see, the, the lion in Daniel 7, that's Great Britain, and the bear is Russia, <laughs> the leopard is Germany, mm-hmm. and this is where they just, it just, but the... The early church didn't teach that. The, there's a book by Hippolytus of Rome called, about the prophecies of Daniel written in 212 AD. And basically what I'm telling you here is the same that he taught, the same that the early church taught. So it's these chapters, some of it is going to be modern, but a lot of it is fulfilled. And this is very, very true for, for Daniel 8. Daniel is by this river. This is probably just a couple of years or so after Daniel 7. So you get the feeling that Daniel was out having prayer time. I, I think he was out having prayer time by this river. You know, And he starts having this vision of a ram and a goat. And the ram had 
two horns and it was pushing from the east. The goat had one horn and it was pushing from the west. And the ram and the goat ran into each other and the goat defeated the ram. So Daniel, of course, is just like seeing all this. And then, and then there's an angel. This is what's not, the angel, there's an angel there and he tells him specifically, clearly, what that symbolism was. And, you know, this is in Daniel 8. The angel told Daniel, the, the ram which you saw having two horns are the kings of Media and Persia. No, no ambiguity there. And the goat is the kingdom of Greece and the great horn is the first king. So this is just, you know, if you're an atheist or how can you explain this? Because that's what happened 200 years later that Greece, led by Alexander the Great, came against the Persians around 330-something B.C. and did exactly that. They defeated the Persians. And the cool thing is, it's even talking about the first king. Pardon me, but I just haven't lost my awe at this whole thing. Because I made a separate video. There's the Daniel 8 video, but I made a separate video on this whole thing about Alexander. Because what happened was, if there's a book called Josephus's Antiquities of the Jews. This guy was a, he was not, it's not a Bible book, but he was a, a secular historian at about 70 AD or so. And he was like working with the Romans. But he wrote, he wrote that when Alexander the Great came to Tyre, came to Gaza, he came to Jerusalem and that the priests came out to meet Alexander. Alexander did obeisance to them because he had seen a vision and a dream. They took him into Jerusalem. They showed him Daniel chapter 8, and they showed him that he was going to defeat the Persians that had been predicted. Well, he, he had already had a premonition about this in the first place. They said, this, that's, and he said, I, I guess that's me. What can I do for you? And this is history. This isn't, you know, this is outside the Bible. This is historical. Alexander went on to be sympathetic and helpful to the Jewish cause the rest of his life. And that's just like, you know, why, why don't they teach that in university? Because it's such a powerful testimony of prophecy. So this ram and this goat, uh, and, th and then in this vision... After the after this had happened, the great horn was broken, and it says four horns came up out of that, that horn. Well, you remember back in chapter 7, there was that leopard with four heads and four wings? Same picture again, because history tells us that Alexander died in his 30s. He died like 33 years old or something like that. He didn't have anybody, any children to take his place, so his kingdom was divided up between his four top generals. Mm-hmm. And, and you see, the deal is there'll be some people, oh, well, uh, that just, Daniel just, that's not, that did, they try to make it like this was all hocus pocus and somebody sort of wrote it afterwards. But if people who really study this, no, I'm sorry, that didn't happen. Daniel did happen. Daniel did write these things. And this is true prophecy. Mm -hmm. So I could talk maybe 20 more minutes about some of the, but some of the things in further in Daniel 8 are some of the things that Jesus first talked about when Jesus said, you know, when you see the book of Daniel, things in Daniel 8 are some of the things that Jesus talked about. Mm -hmm. And also, also, one of the things that really is meaningful to me is because that angel said three times at the time of the end, this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Because some people say, well, yeah, there's that little horn. 
That was this guy from about 160 BC, leader of the Greeks, and he sacrificed a pig at the temple in Jerusalem. Antiochus, it's all been fulfilled. Mm -hmm. But the angel says, no, at the time of the end, it hasn't all been fulfilled. Right. At best, Antiochus was a forerunner or archetype of the Antichrist. As, Mark, we're most likely ourselves going to be living in the days of this last great world leader, maybe you could talk something about him because there are plenty of pointers in these last few chapters of how we can recognize him. That's very true what you say. And, and also, it's just like it's like to have, trying to go from first grade to 12th grade mm -hmm. in 20 minutes. You can't do that. You have to, it, or like a meal, you just can't eat everything for a month. So what you have to do, and that's why I've made these videos, I've tried to break it down, make it simple. You watch Daniel 2, you watch Daniel 7, you absorb that, you absorb Daniel 8, then you go on to the next ones. Because if you go too fast, you're just not going to get it. I, I, I couldn't. The first time I had some of these chapters, I was just lost. I didn't know what it was about. So it's very true that Daniel chapter 9, kind of a controversial chapter, but it's very much linked to what the video you recently did about the temple in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed that video because people who were really, I don't know, I want to use the word extremist, but very sort of, if you really sober look at these, many people, they're sort of looking towards Jerusalem. They're looking for a third temple. They're looking for animal sacrifices. And this is what you brought out in your video. They've, they're ready to go with this kind of stuff. There's people there who, who would be building a third temple and the people in Israel who would be doing animal sacrifices. And this completely dovetails into uh, the end time picture that we see in prophecy, both in Daniel, Second Thessalonians, uh, Revelation, these things. I mean, you, you read your Bible and then you look at the news and you just are blown away because it's going on right there like that. So the, I've very briefly, you know, touched on some of the things that are in Daniel 8 that I wasn't talking about before that are talked about in Daniel 9 that Paul talked about in 2 Thessalonians. He, Paul said, that day, the coming of that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Mm -hmm. Where did Paul get that from? Mm -hmm. He didn't just make that up. He almost certainly is reading Daniel. It was, it was like a known thing. He, he knew from Daniel this picture of a temple. And, of course, the deal is in 70 AD, that temple, there was no temple for 19 mm -hmm. centuries. And here we are in, in our lifetime when we were babies, Israel comes back together in 1967, if I'm not mistaken, they took what is believed to be the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And like the people you've interviewed, you've interviewed people face to face who are ready to start the sacrifices. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's, it's good to not just sort of yawn and take that for granted. That's not something to take for granted. That's heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned Daniel 11. It's a very sobering thing. Uh, you know, there's different phrases you can bring in. The Great Tribulation, the Seven Years, the Peace Pact, the Three and a Half Years. And this is where, if you're listening to this for the first time, I'm really trying to go slow and not pack too much information or trying not to. Because this is where you need to go. And this, if you look at the videos, you'll see a lot of what I'm talking about. But the picture seems to be of a future world leader, unlike anything that any of us alive have seen, uh, a, a little bit like Alexander the Great, a little bit like Adolf Hitler, but but more than that, just uh, a man for all seasons and all times, and and but 
not a good man, but a very, very subtle evil man who will evidently unite the nations and maybe at first even seem to be doing a lot of good things. This is how the devil can sometimes look like he's doing good things, but will ultimately enforce worship of himself. And this is a very much of a thumbnail. This is what Daniel 11 talks about it, but he's not omnipotent. He's not God. Uh, he's going to have wars. Nations will fight him. This is scripture. This is not speculation. I'm not, when I teach, I really try not to, to throw out stuff that I can't really back up with scripture, scripture. So what I'm telling you right here, this is scripturally based that there's going to be a time of what Jesus called great tribulation. And if you've been told that we're not going to go through that great tribulation, that's why you need to kind of watch these videos because we are. But it's not all bad because God's going to raise up and strengthen brothers and sisters of the Lord to be some of the greatest witnesses of all time. And at the end of that great tribulation, this is when the Lord returns and it's the beginning of the kingdom of God on earth. Shining bright in the dark night, you're listening to Nightlight. Mark, before we wrap up, please could you share where our Nightlight listeners can find these videos that you've made on the prophecies of Daniel? Okay, so I have two websites. The site that specifically deals with these things is called prophesiesofdaniel.com, just like that. And when you go on that site, you'll see these little flags in the upper right-hand side, and there's already about eight or nine or ten flags there, and maybe your language, maybe your native language is there, and some of these videos have already been done in your language. The videos are there, but they're there in many different languages. I have six main, video, uh, six main videos and three um, supplementary videos like that. So prophesiesofdaniel.com. If you're on YouTube, I have a YouTube channel, Mark Macmillan 1, the number one. I've tried to make these videos not too long, less than 30 minutes. I've tried to simplify them and make them for people who are sort of new to all these things. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that it's a blessing to those of you listening to this. And I do look forward to being back up again. And I'm going to invite Mark back onto Nightlight in an upcoming show to share about Daniel 10, 11, and 12, so you can look forward to that. You'll find the link to Mark's websites and YouTube channel below. That's it for now, and I'll be back with you very soon for another Nightlight podcast. Bye-bye.